open the notes, which I shan't need, I don't expect. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the evidence of your creation all around us. We thank you for the power seen in that. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. God is good. God is good. His goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Perverse and foolish oft I strayed, yet in love he sought me. And on his shoulders gently laid. You know that hymn, don't you? King of love, my shepherd is. So, as a church, we're looking at the kingdom of God. Um, how does the church of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God sort of tie in together? That could be almost one and the same thing. Um, I believe and, and would say that um, <clears throat> the church... God has given the church the custody of the kingdom of God to manifest the kingdom, to look after it, to see what Jesus said about it, what he taught, remains amongst his people and remains in his world. Um, The kingdom of God is vast and if we picked up our Bibles we could actually say here is what the kingdom of God is, everything that God is working out in this world now and in the future is in this book. And that's what the kingdom of God is about. So we could see that correlation between the two. So we cannot dispense with our Bibles, although some might like to. We have to remain faithful to something. And it's that, this book, our Bibles. It's a nice cross you've got on the front of your ESV Bible there, John. Very nice cross, isn't it? Celtic, is it? Okay, we'll deal with that later. <clears throat> not going to say how <laughs> but um, yeah there we go so what are we actually doing we, our last um, Steve brought our last sermon I think it was and it was rocks in the riverbed and it's actually things that actually prevent us moving into what Jesus taught was the reality of the kingdom of God Things that um, in this country, it's very easy to do that with our, you know, the stiff upper lip and that. We want things orderly and in place because we can deal with order. It means because God's a God of order, we can deal with things. And sometimes God moves outside of those boundaries and said, let me, let me just show that I'm God. And I can, I can do things that maybe you couldn't think I would do amongst you. And so... God, yet God is and still not a God of disorder. The early church saw things happening amongst them that would cause the Jewish nation to hold their hands up in holy horror at what was happening, and they did. They said, you know, what's happening? This is not the God that we know. And, um, and so th- there were problems. There were problems. But from where we are as the, uh, as the church of God and... Um, the Church of Jesus Christ here in Herne Bay. As elders, we felt it was necessary to address the things that probably are getting left out of the kingdom of God. And that is actually the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Things which happen supernaturally and things which happen sort of outside of our control and maybe even outside of our minds so very often. The kingdom of God 
is so vast. And yet Jesus simply said, because I'm here, the kingdom of God is here. He said, and the kingdom of God is within you, but not limited to within you. It's actually more than that. It has an outshow. And I suppose, in a sense, we, we're trying to let the cat out of the bag as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, not to keep it in the bag. To say, yes, there are more things to actually think about and, 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 to, and to move forward to demonstrate the authenticity of what a church should be. And actually includes things of the kingdom of God. And... Uh, Central to the Gospels, say Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in our Bibles in the New Testament, Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom of God. So the writers, their intention was to actually record what the kingdom of God was like with Jesus in their midst. It was totally different than what it was before he came. Totally different. And I think we should look at our churches today, we say, yeah, we could be totally different too, just as it was then. It's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit within the church. And I suppose as, a, as an intellectual people, sometimes we might say, oh, well, it, when we read things in the Bible, it, it, maybe it doesn't quite mean that, it means something else. And the times I've heard that, you know, I'm not going to go over those things, but just, just to sort of drift on to that for a moment. So Jesus' primary mission to the Jewish people was to offer them the possibility of participation in the final salvation its arrival and its conclusion to his cosmic redemption. And it is cosmic because when Jesus came, he was dealing with heaven and earth. That's what he said within his prayer. Your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of God is about a cosmic dimension, not just a local earthly dimension. It's cosmic as well. So that means supernatural. Things that may, we maybe not expect to happen begin to happen. One of the books we're looking at and getting some thoughts from is Sustainable Power by Simon Holly. And um, later on I will read a couple of testimonies and I hope I remember to bring Janet's testimony in. He wanted to bring it early about her in, in the time in Brazil. So we maybe include that as well. Another, another person we're referring to is John Wimber, who, as a, an early a young Christian, he went into a church and um, was just pretty traditional. And um, he said, yeah, I've heard that. When are we going to start doing the stuff? In other words, when are we going to start doing as Jesus did? When are we, are we going to do what Jesus taught the disciples to do? He was amazed that the church couldn't actually was leaving things out. And so, to come back to my point, as elders, we, we want to pursue that road where we're not leaving anything out as far as possible. To be authentic. But not just to be authentic, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is that Jesus wants to demonstrate his love to people. Jesus wants to heal people. He wants to free people from chains which have held them bound for many years. And those problems sometimes are so ingrained into us. Maybe as a child you had abuse. And we just think of our world where so many children are being abused. How are they going to break those chains? 
Jesus can break that chain. He is the one that can break that change. Somebody maybe who didn't get on with their parents, their mother, hated their mother for the way and father that they brought them up. Or maybe because the mother or father spoke things over them, like, you're an idiot, you'll never get on at school. Speaking things constantly like that over children destroys them. How are you going to break free from chains like that? How are you going to regain your identity in Jesus Christ, to know who you are and who God meant you to be? Within the kingdom of God, there is a power that deals with those things. Breaking us from the chains of the past. Who can set you free from that guilt you hold? I wished I'd never done that. Or a regret, you know? How strong is that regret maybe in your life that you just can't let go of? I wished I did what I knew I ought to do at that time. And we live with those regrets down through the years. And we find there's something stopping me living my life as I should do. There's something stopping me experience the spirits in what God can do for me. And even this morning, God wants... You know the Holy Spirit's here this morning? Where God's people meet, the Holy Spirit is there to set people free and to deliver them. To those Jews who accepted Jesus as their promised Messiah, they were called up and added in. But as a nation, they have rejected Jesus as king. The greater part of this world's population are offered through Jesus the opportunity to be reconciled to God. This is the only possible because Jesus, through his death and resurrection, made a way back to God. And I say that because the kingdom of God starts with its king and saviour. If there was no king, saviour and king, or king and saviour, if there was no Messiah, as it were, there would be no possible chance of being accepted into God's purpose and plan and eternity. No acceptance with God outside of that. Judah reminded us of a verse when he was preaching a couple, uh, two preachings ago, and, and it was this, that we've been delivered out of the power of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And my point about this is that sometimes we just waver about on one side should I do this or should I do that? Is that what I really need to do? Or maybe if I go to church a few times, everything will be okay. Maybe if I'm good to my parents or, and I pay all my taxes, and maybe if I live a good life, it will work out okay for me in the end. That's a myth, a bit of a myth, as far as the Bible is concerned, because the kingdom starts with its saviour and king. Jesus first for us is a saviour, one who did something for us that we couldn't do, ourselves and when we come to that point of realizing what Jesus has done for us we want to we actually step up to that point almost at the cross and say thank you Lord Jesus for what you have done for me I now receive you as my savior that intentional deliberation about receiving Jesus Christ as savior is where the kingdom begins for you and for me if there's no savior and king there's no kingdom so Jesus is our saviour. 
And the Bible has just said in that verse, he's delivered us from. Now there's people who like to have a foot in each camp, and that's an impossibility. Jesus talked about being saved. It's not the only word he used for becoming a Christian. It's only one word. And it's rather spoken in that verse. You've been delivered from the power of darkness. Notice the power. You've delivered from the power of darkness and translated into. It is one or the other. And I don't want to be necessarily fundamental, but I want to say to you out on the authority of the Bible this morning, you are either in or you are out. That's not being fundamental or black and white. It's just that God wants to, every one of us to see how wonderful Jesus is and to see what he's done for us. And if we've been delivered from the power of darkness and we've been translated into the kingdom of sons, that's where it begins. We've been brought into the kingdom of God. Been brought into the kingdom of God. Jesus interpreted his exorcisms and healings, signs and wonders as manifestations within the kingdom of God. Um, if you've got your Bibles, you like to turn to Mark 9. Sorry, Mark 16. Two scriptures I'm going to read from this morning, and I should mention others, but I'd like us to read these if we can. I don't know whether... No, I'm not up on the uh, thing, so I'll speak clearly. Mark 16, verses 9 to 20. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. After he appeared to the eleven themselves, as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Can I just stop there a minute? If you believe yourself to be a Christian, you believe you're saved, you've received Jesus, have you ever thought about baptism? Yeah? It's a hallmark, really, of becoming a Christian. It's like nailing your colours to the mast or putting your flag up and saying, I've done it. I just want to demonstrate to other people around me that I've taken Jesus to be my saviour. It's that the point of reality begins. It's a demonstration of my intention to receive Jesus Christ as Saviour. It has symbolism in it, and that's all it has, but I'm not going to go into that at the moment. But the gospel, the true gospel, is believe and be baptised. Believe and be baptised. 
So I challenge you with that this morning. This is what God calls us, Jesus called us to do. So let's go back a step. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. I just want to say too about that, although you might realize that for him. Being baptized is not a condition to be saved. It's a demonstration of what I've done. As it reads there, it says, he who believes and baptized will be saved. But if we read the other scriptures and take them all in context, it's a demonstration of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not conditional to my salvation. You don't have to be baptized. And the people who physically can't be baptized like the scripture asks, but it's a demonstration where possible to say, I believe in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. And these signs, this is where we begin as part of the kingdom of God this morning, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. But it's quite clear that authenticity in the church is one that's demonstrated by signs and wonders. Clearly, you know. Now, we, it may not be week after week or day after day, but there should be some evidence of God at work amongst his people. You know, as the gospel was preached, so things happened. People's lives were turned around and changed. And the title this morning, Proclaiming the Kingdom, is not about me standing here. It's actually what happens after it. It's good to tell people and to read it from the Bible, but proclamation of the kingdom is actually what happens afterwards. Your life is changed. You start on a new life. You expect to see God at work in your life. Things change. Things are turned around. I'm set free from that guilt and those chains of the past. I'm now put on a new course to know the power of God in my life through his Holy Spirit. These are evidences of God at work in us and God at work amongst his people. That's what Jesus taught. And that's where we are as a church, really, saying we want to tell it as it is. We want to let the cat out the bag. The kingdom of God is among you. But we're so nervous, aren't we? We're so frightened to take that step within the church context, like here this morning. We just want to sit in seats and listen and sing and go home feeling well-fed and comfortable and say, that's a good day on Sunday. But God wants to see a demonstration of his power amongst his people. And I'm hoping to get that in at the end. To see God show his power here this morning. I'm sure there's something you want sorting out for you. If you come here and go away empty-handed, what's the point of that? 
letting the cat out of the bag, letting him come. One of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal. Jesus, we know your presence amongst us this morning. By the power of your spirit. Always we can say, welcome Holy Spirit. Father, I pray you'll break down any resistance within us to your Holy Spirit this morning. The power of the Lord was present to heal. And that's not just physical healing, that's healing of the mind. Healing of situations, God putting things right. God showing us a future where we always look back to the past and we have nothing in the future to look forward to. God actually demonstrating in specific ways how much he loves us, showing that he cares for us. Holy Spirit, come amongst us, we pray, in a new way this morning. Help us to be moved like that whirlwind and grain of, be like a grain of sand, moved from one position to the other by your mighty power in our lives, we pray. Now, if you've got your Bibles too, you turn over to Revelation 3. The power of the Lord was with him to heal. That is when Jesus was here. But what about the church? I've just prayed that we might know the presence of the Lord amongst us. Revelation 3 and verse 7. This, we can just read about a letter that the Apostle John wrote to a church in Philadelphia. Now, there were seven of these letters, seven of these letters, and John was told to write to each of these churches. There's a bit of conflict amongst theologians and the Christian community um, in general. Um, was it ch to churches then? Yes, it was. There were seven churches. And not only were churches of locations, but they were churches of types and of things that went on in churches, how they were. And Jesus is writing to John. He says, I want you to tell them how I see them. I want you to tell them what I see. I want you to tell them how I feel. And there were seven of these churches then, and some people say, but oh, no, these churches are actually historical seasons um, and times in history. Well, just to be simple about this, at the beginning of each letter you will see Jesus says, write to the church at, but when you come to the end of the letters, it says, let the Holy Spirit, let him who hears, here's what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. So in actual fact, while they were single churches, the manifestation was to churches. doesn't say when, but churches. So this morning we're under the watchful eye of Jesus Christ. That's why we as elders want to try and move forward on this because we believe Jesus has his hand on us and he wants us to move us in a pathway that honours him and blesses the people, not just come here to have a religious service. We want lives to be blessed, changed, turned around, set on fire. The manifestation of the Spirit of God 
upon us in every way. Let's read this letter. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David. And I said earlier, there's no kingdom without our saviour and its king. So Jesus identifies himself and offers himself, offers himself as an ambassador for the church. So we don't do this alone. We're here because Jesus is here and we want to do what he says. He offers himself and he offers himself in such a wonderful way. The holy one and the true one. Holy there means without sin in, that, in this particular context and word. I am the one who's without sin. Look to me. Your role model. The one who's done it before you. And the true one. The essence of true there is um, like this. Um, Moses gave was the, the means of the Jewish people in the wilderness being fed from manna on heaven. He was, Moses was the leader, and he instigated the power of God amongst them. And God sent manna, and they went out and collected it so that they would be fed in the wilderness. That's a wonderful thing in itself, supernatural. But when we come over to the New Testament, it's said about Jesus, my father said, I am the true bread from heaven. So that which was previously intimated and a possibility in a sense, in a physical sense, is now brought to us in truth in a spiritual sense. What happened in the wilderness was actually a picture, something embedded that would bring, come to light at a later stage in history in reality. He said, I'm the holy one and I'm the true one. So in a sense, to honour Jesus is to honour the one who really should be at the heart of all we do and say and offers himself as that rock. The rock in truth. The rock. So the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, kingdom, yeah. David was, and his kingdom was what the Jews wanted to repeat. So you have the idea of truth again coming out, the true one. And they wanted... David's kingdom to be established in the earth, the Jewish people, but God said, no, I have a greater king. So in truth, Jesus was the real king, the true king. Who has the key of dead, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. I know your works, and apparently there's no Greek equivalent for I know. So it has to be sort of retranslated. I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, great. I know that you have but little power. And when I was asking, because I had no Bible passage to read from this morning, surprise, surprise, I said, Lord, where do you want me to go on Sunday morning? And then into my mind came this little verse, a little bit of this passage, and it was, I know you have little power. So, thought, God, where is that? I think it's in Revelation somewhere. But the word, in some translations, it's got strength. And I think you'll find in the ESV it's got strength there too. But actual fact, the word is dynamis. Go to Strong's Concordance, one of the best recognised concordances of words that you can get. And it's dynamis. 
its spiritual power, the power to perform miracles, the power to do things beyond what you're able. So Jesus is saying to your church, I know you have little power. This is the only church that there's nothing negative said against it. And it lasted beyond all the other churches of those seven churches. It's the one that lasted the longest. But Jesus said, it's like, like you're going you know, up to a table of food. And you say, well, there's a lot of people here today. And um, mm, I won't hog the table. No one's ever said this to me. But um, someone might say, you haven't got very much on your plate, have you? <laughs> and I'm not alone in that either. We're like the Cretans who love their bellies. I think it's the Cretans anyway. But what happens if someone says to you, you haven't got much on your plate? You say, well, I'll go back and have some more. There's a challenge in this verse as well. Jesus is saying, you have but little power. And I believe that's indicative of us. You know, as a church, we're really trying in the sense... There is a manifestation of the Spirit here and there, but it's the challenge. It's the challenge to get some more. The challenge to get some more. And that word I read from Luke, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal, and the dunamis of the Lord was present to heal. The Holy Spirit power was present to heal. Well, I've written so much more, but the time's going on, and I really want to get down to praying for some things this morning. As a little church, it says some other things in that passage, which I just want to quickly brush over. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no man can shut. In pursuing more of the Holy Spirit, I believe God bringing us here to this school, God has opened a door. What happens when God opens a door? It's a door that no one can shut. Let's hold on to that, because we never know what changes might happen in the future. But it's an open door. The street pastors out on the street is an open door. The opportunities you have to pray with people are an open door. And there are many, many more. Whatever our contacts are, whatever people we have chance to speak to, whatever people we have chance to pray with, it's an open door. And I believe God has given to us as a church an open door. And I'd like us to see it like that. yeah, Because the many opportunities that come our way, let's use them. It could be just listening to someone as an open door. It could be just talking to someone and giving them a little bit of counsel, with a little bit of confidence, with a little bit of help. It's an open door. And this is where I'm going to bring Janet in, because she went to Brazil for a holiday and said, I was able to pray with someone when I went to Brazil. What an opportunity, an open door, an open door. And God said, To this church, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. 
you have but little power. It doesn't matter, you have it. You have it. Janet, come and give us the testimony you wanted to bring earlier. Just to wake us up a little bit. Yeah, hi. I'm sure Ivan doesn't mind me um, sharing this. Um, when we, was in, uh, we were in the house, um, I think it was Thursday afternoon, um, Ivan's auntie had gone back to her, her, her home. Um, she thought she had a lump come out, and we, we didn't know what it was. We wasn't sure what it was. Um, so she went home to find the result. She lives quite a long, what, what, about four or five hours away. So um, I heard some commotion going on in the back where the pool is, and I thought, oh, I'm going to see. So I said to Ivan, what's happening at the back? And he said, well, they're praying with my auntie on the phone. So I went back, and I thought, well, it's, I'm praying in English, doesn't matter. God is here. You know, they don't understand what I'm saying. I didn't understand how they were praying. But we pray together, because God is one. God is, is amazing. God is majesty. And we prayed, and we prayed, and... and they could, I could hear them and they could hear me and, and, and one of the other aunties said that you know, Janet is praying as well with us so it's, it's praying with the nations it's the nations isn't it um, the next day we found that it was okay there was nothing wrong and the, the lump was fine it was nothing, praise God but it's praying together it's praying as one praying as one tongue praying in, like they've said praying in the spirit as one we just prayed together. We didn't know what the result was going to be, but we prayed together. I prayed in English. They prayed. We couldn't understand each other, but God knew. God was there. God was among us. God was in our midst, and we could feel the Spirit of God within us, just standing out the back garden there, praying for, to God, praying, pleading with him for a good result, and God was good. God, pray, God gave us that result that was clear. Praise God's name. Amen. Okay. So just the opportunity to pray is an open door, and who knows where it was God. God has not told us to do things we can't do, but he has told us to pray, and he's told us to expect, and he's told us to do, do the stuff, as it were. He's told us to do the stuff. Now, I'm going to leave it there because there's so much more I could say, but I feel because of time I just would like people to be prayed for. And um, I'm just going to kick this off the Holy Spirit